You're listening to Your Credit Today with your host, Angela Setters-Vissard, sponsored by Conquer Credit Management. Hey, everyone. It's Angela, your host for today. Thank you so much for coming to the show. I hope that you have listened to our other shows and you're enjoying our content. You know, I wanted to take a little time today to talk about a story. Um, first and foremost, I ha- I deal with a lot of clients on a daily basis, and I truly love what I do. And I love what I do because I get to help people, and that is like my life's mission. I love helping people. And this is something that I've gotten to know over these, you know, 25 plus years that I've been doing this, I've been super passionate about finances, understanding like we've talked about before that your credit is an investment tool to build wealth. And I've just been super passionate about helping people understand that, you know, we live in this great state. We live in this, the the U.S. where we have this system that is accessible to us that helps us leverage our cash position. You know, this is the place where you can make a certain amount of money. And let's say you may not even be able to necessarily afford a house in Europe because of the system that they have. The system that we have here is they say, you know what, we're going to trust you. Because you've had really good credit in the past and you've proven that you can pay X, Y, and Z creditor, we're going to take a chance on you. And we're going to allow you to buy this piece of property that you're going to be able to leverage over a period of time and make money off of. So, you know, when I when I keep trying to drive that into you, talking about your credit as an investment tool, it really, really is. It's the one thing that you can have once you really understand how to utilize it in your life. It can really help you build wealth. It can also help you business owners out there. This is a really big thing that I talk about with my business owners. What happens typically in small business world is that when you open a business, you need money. And it's very hard to get it from the banks. So a lot of people will use their own savings, their own capital. They will refinance their homes and take cash out. And what happens is, is now your personal life has funded your business. And if anything ever happens and the business, let's say, suffers, then you suffer with the business. But there's this great tool out there called business credit that you can build just like consumer credit. And we'll talk talk about that in another show. But what I'm trying to drive at right now is that it's really important to understand if you're a business owner that you have business credit assets and you have your consumer credit assets and how important it is to keep those separate. Because again, if you're building your business on your back and not the business's back, oh friends, if something happens, then you go down with the business. And again, the U.S. has made uh, allowances for us to have the corporate shield. So we will talk about that at another time. But the reason I brought that up is because I had this situation today and hence why I said I just love helping people. I get a lot of people that call me that are really afraid. They don't know what to do. I had a client that lived in New York and had a great business and decided to move to Austin, Texas, um, uprooted his family, went to Austin, Texas for a better life and to obviously pay less taxes and, you know, just an overall lower life of spending. And unfortunately, what happened was is he lost one of his 
largest clients, his first year being in Austin, Texas. And now he has found himself with uh, a, a situation basically not where he's jobless, but where he is cash poor and he's not able to make his payments on his credit cards and his car and all of the other things that keep him sustained as a business owner. So he was really, really upset and didn't know how to handle his situation. And so, yes, I am a credit counselor and I help people understand what they can do to get out of debt and to kind of, you know, take a step back, put something on the board and let's have a plan of action. But also I'm a human being. So when this this gentleman was really upset, I was able to let him talk, let him vent to me and encourage him and let him know that, you know, this is a time right now where things are tough, but you can't focus on the tough times. You've got to focus on what you can do to get out of this. Okay. Because making money is going to get you out of this. And so I had a great conversation with him about that, encouraged him. He called me the next day and said, wow, you know what? I really didn't realize that all I was doing was looking down. I was looking at my circumstance and situation and I wasn't looking up so that I could see how to get out of it. And you really helped me do that. And I really appreciate that. So friends, uh, I just want to encourage you to encourage those in your life that may be going through financial troubles or any kind of troubles in life. That's what I love to do. Um, and that's what we've done at Conquer Credit Management um, for all of these years is really to empower and help our clients. And this information that I'm sharing with you, this very valuable information, about credit and finance becoming literate in how this works, I think is invaluable. So please tell your friends and family, tell your coworkers um, to come to our website, conquercredit.com. Check us out, ask us questions, and most importantly, subscribe to this show. Hit that subscribe button. Um, leave us a comment. Tell us the things that you liked about the show. Um, yeah, even if you didn't like anything, we don't want to hear that, but it's okay if you want to tell us because, hey, it's all about getting better and better. So what's in the news right now? Ooh, the news. You know, it was really interesting to, I'm always looking towards the future. And one of the things that I know is going to happen, let's say in the next five years, is that because we're going into a digital market, there's not going to be any more plastic we're not going to have plastic credit cards very soon. All of our credit cards are going to be digital. So, of course, the leader of digitization, Apple, what are they doing? They're coming into the market with their first ID Touch or face recognition credit card. Now, obviously, it's not out completely out in the market right now. But what I've read about it, which is so cutting edge is first and foremost, what we have right now is we have Discover, Amex, Visa, MasterCard, and then a charge card. And now Apple is going to be a leader like that. So, you know, Discover card starts with a six, Amex starts with a three, uh, Visa, and so on and so forth. They're going to have their own digit of starting. But the thing about this credit card that is so cutting edge is that first and foremost, you will never have a credit card in your hand. It will obviously be on your phone. Apple, you're so smart. Um, the, the great thing about it is it won't have any uh, yearly fees. 
And this is what I thought was so amazing is that they will not have any late fees. And the reason for that is, is because it's set up like a digital credit card, it's going to be set up to your checking account. So automatically the payments will be made. So that's, I think now, again, I don't know because it's not completely set up yet, but that's what I'm assuming is going to happen. Um, The other part about this that will be different is you won't be able to have an authorized user on this credit card. And a lot of people ask me what the benefits are of either being an authorized user or allowing someone to be an authorized user on their credit card. So the benefits of being an authorized user are very simple. If you have just, let's say, a couple of years ago filed a bankruptcy, you're coming back from a financial mess, so to speak, and you're trying to get back on your feet, becoming an authorized user on someone's credit card that's had a credit card for, let's say, five to 10 years is going to really help to boost your FICO score and give you a foundation back that you lost in the bankruptcy or in your financial uh, situation that you had. And what it will do is that particular person that you're sort of piggybacking on, or in this case, we're calling it an authorized user, is you will now have all the history that they've created over the years of their account on your credit history as though that's been you that has been using the credit card. So therefore, building those utilization factors, making payments, creating payment history, and also the longevity of that card. So if someone had the card for 10 years, let's say, and now it's showing up on your credit report. Well, now you have 10 years of history that technically you really don't have. So that's the benefit is that you'll now be able to have that credit card showing on your report that will help you be able to get another credit card on your own that's not authorized user so that you can start building your own credit and eventually your friend or family member or whoever allowed you to be an authorized user on that card can then take you off because you've built up your own patterns or your own utilization factors that are going to help your FICO score increase slowly but surely. Now, what are the benefits of, you know, allowing someone to be an authorized user on your credit card? I get this question all the time from parents. Uh, You know that one of the biggest things that I tout is teaching our children. You know, uh, financial literacy with children is so important. We live in a society right now where kids are so, I mean, you know, they just get the silver platter all the time. Mommy, daddy, I need, you know, $10. Mommy, daddy, I need $500. Mommy and daddy, I know that I'm not asking you for this, but I need to eat. (laughs) The point that I'm making is, is that children are so clouded or shrouded from the idea of understanding money. And it's becoming worse and worse in our society because we have busier parents. You know, we live in a society right now where you really have to have at least two working parents or have a household income of, you know, at least $80,000 a year in order to at least stay in California. Now, I don't know what that's like in other states. And, you know, we can talk about that at another time. But the point that I'm making is and going back to authorized user credit cards and what the benefit would be to actually allowing someone to be an authorized user on your credit card is that very purpose for your children. So what you can do is you can add your son or daughter to your credit card. 
so that it appears as though they've had a longevity of history. And then you can go ahead and get them their own credit card. And that can be the card that they learn how to leverage their cash position, how to look at a credit card statement, how to track their spending, and of course, how to make that payment from their checking account that you went and helped set up with them. So that would be the benefit of allowing someone to be an authorized user. The other benefit that I get into a lot of times is, let's say a company is just starting out and you've got partners and one of the partners doesn't really have a rich credit history. And part of the thing in w- with respect to business credit is that you have to have a strong personal credit for the first two years while you're building your business credit because you're going to have to give a personal guarantor. So if you have a partner that doesn't really have strong credit and you want to add them as an authorized user onto your credit card, it's going to help strengthen their FICO score, specifically if you're trying to get on uh, joint loans with them as you run the business and build the business. This is another attribute, so to speak, of adding someone as an authorized user. Um, the, The other thing is, is that you never have to give the card to the person that you're adding as an authorized user. They really don't ever have to have access to the account. The only access that they have is it shows up on their credit history. And the great thing is, is that the full account number never shows on a credit report. And not even just for authorized user credit cards, but any credit cards or any accounts that you have with any vendor or creditor, the real account numbers never show up on a credit report. And the reason for that is, is for security. You know, if your credit report got in the hands of the wrong person and they were able to see your credit card numbers, well, that wouldn't be too honky-dory. So the credit agencies thought ahead with respect to that, and that's why that information is not showing. So again, this is a, a really great thing in terms of the authorized users. But, you know, going back to my main point here is that Apple is not allowing for authorized users. And the biggest reason for that is is cost because it costs to report that information to everyone's credit history. So they're getting rid of that cost. You know, they co-branded this card or they're co-branding this card with Goldman Sachs, which was really amazing to me um, to see that. And really, at the end of the day, it's it's going to be kind of simple and it's going to be similar to the whole Apple Pay system. So, you know, read up on that, look into that. And again, going back to what I was saying, you know, we're going to a digital world. So, you know, you have your credit cards in your wallet right now. Well, soon it will be your phone or it will be some sort of tapping system where you'll have one digital card that will have all of your cards present on it. And, you know, it's we're, we're just going to that world. And listen, I would implore you out there to make sure that you have everything online. Make sure that you are very calculated with your spending and make it visual. You know, this whole out of sight, out of mind thing is the reason why people get into severe debt. You know, just swiping those credit cards and having them in your wallet is not a good idea. You know, you've got to make really good decisions when we're talking about using credit cards. So, you know, we have five different types of credit cards. I kind of um, alluded to those earlier. And those are Discover, uh, American Express, Visa, MasterCard, and a charge card. And, you know, what are the differences between these cards? You know, American Express is really known as the oldest credit card um, uh, club in the world. And they really have some great programs. But 
Traditionally, what they were set up for was something called sign and travel. And this was to help Americans not get into debt because the whole idea behind the American Express credit card is you have to pay what you spend at the end of the month. So that will conclude (laughs) getting into credit card debt because if you're allowed to charge something month after month after month and you only have to make a small payment, well, that's how people get into trouble. So this was American Express's uh, first product. And if some of you out there know this, this is probably like dating me, I'm getting old. But, you know, they started off as the diners club. Anybody remember that? Diners Club? Well, yeah, if you'll look on the back of your American Express card and you will see that they still have the Diners Club on the back of there. Look into that really good information. Lots of good savings, lots of good club opportunities. But, you know, American Express is that great card to have when you whip it out when you're going to lunch with someone. They're like, ooh, like you have an American Express card. That's awesome. You must have really good credit. (laughs) So it's a great card to have. But typically, again, you know, American Express card holders, you know, understand that whatever they spend, they're going to have to pay at the end of the month. Now, they do have revolving aspects on those cards. And American Express does have revolving credit cards, like the open credit card that they have. But uh, that's American Express. Discover Card. Discover Card is a great, great credit card. Um, They tried to follow in the footsteps of American Express, but, you know, I don't want to say that anyone's better. I think they all have their their great attributes. But the thing I love about Discover is they're very, very customer service oriented. Um, They're really into protecting their customers, educating their customers, and they have really good cash back rewards programs. So in benefits, as far as, you know, credit cards are concerned, I really, really tout the Discover card, um, mainly because they're are no annual fees on that credit card our credit card, excuse me, either. So, you know, I really, really like their program that they have. And they actually have about six different cards that you can choose from. And um, I really enjoy using my Discover card. I have a Discover Chrome. Um, I use it for my gas and I get cash back. Um, Use it at specific stores. They send out information all the time, you know, shop here and you get X amount of points, whatnot. And they're just really easy to work with. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Now, um, Visa and MasterCard really are, you know, the same type of credit card. Um, but you will see that uh, Visa and MasterCard are now uh, working with a lot of the retail organizations. So back in the day, talking about a charge card, which was the sixth one that we were talking about, charge card. So what is a charge card? Well, you know, when you have a J.C. Penney's card, okay, you can't take your J.C. Penney card and go to Macy's and buy your merchandise on your JCPenney card. So it's simply that. It's a charge account with that particular retail organization. And you can only use it with that retail organization. And a lot of the times um, they have specials or you can get a certain percentage off. We all know that we see that with Macy's all the time. They're really great at sending out different offers and whatnot. The problem with charge cards is that the interest rates are extremely inflated and high. And um, I really don't think there's any 
necessity for having a charge card. And they're really dinosaur. You know, a lot of people don't have charge cards any longer uh, simply because a lot of, like I said, these retail organizations have now partnered with Visa and MasterCard. And the reason for that is, is that, of course, they want to make money off of your transactions. So if you have a Macy's Visa card, now you can go to JCPenney's and buy on your Macy's Visa card. And Macy's will now make a percentage of whatever you spend. So this is why they collaborated with Visa and MasterCard and American Express as well. There are a lot of retail organizations that now have American Express as well. Um, Citibank is a big sponsor of uh, Costco, Costco cards. And I actually love my Citibank Costco cards. Really, really great card. And of course, they collaborated with Costco because Costco has that whole cash back reward type system where you get a check at the end of the month on how much you've spent. So it's always good getting those little checks in the mail. But these are the three different uh, types of credit cards. You know, um, They're accepted at different places, but the thing that you would want to know is the best credit card to have if you're a traveler, if you're traveling all over the world, is you really would want to have that American Express card because they are accepted all over the world. Um, The other credit cards, you know, of course, Visa and MasterCard are accepted all over the world, but, you know, the exchange rate sometimes um, with respect to American Express is a lot easier than um, some of the other banks, depending on who the bank is. That's backing up that particular Visa and MasterCard that you have. But, you know, you always want to plan ahead whenever you're going to use your credit cards out of the country. So make sure you look at, um, you know, if there's any type of extra fees that you would have to incur and things of that nature. Um, You know, the other thing that a lot of people ask me about with respect to this subject is, you know, what's the difference between an unsecured or secured card? So an unsecured line of credit or an unsecured card means that a bank has taken a risk on you and is not uh, required that you put up any money or that you secure whatever you're spending with their bank. Um, They are giving you access, let's say, to $10,000 worth of credit. And as long as you treat them good and make your payments and pay interest every once in a while, they're going to continue to allow you to have access to that money. That is unsecured. And the only way that you can get an unsecured line of credit or credit card is by having a really good FICO score. And why is that? Because when a bank is looking at your credit history and they see the past history with other creditors that you've had, whether it's you've had a really good, um, you know, uh, length with your car, you've made your payments on time for four years, or you have a house, or you have another credit card. They're really looking at how you have treated the relationship that you have with your other creditors. And of course, that's a reflection on your FICO score as well. Everything has kind of, again, gone to a digital world. So, you know, when you fill out an application online, um, they're looking for certain criteria to approve you or deny you. And let me encourage you, friends out there, that if you do get denied by a credit card company, fight it. You know, if you have a really good FICO score and they've turned you down for some crazy reason, I see it every day. And I tell clients, no, 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 no. You got turned down for the wrong reason. Take that information, call the credit card company and ask them why they're turning you down. Um, prove to them what kind of income you have. Send them your tax returns. Get it escalated to a supervisor or a financial analyst that can look over your situation and overturn that denial. So really important that 
you don't just take these letters that they send you because a lot of the times the computer is making the decision and they're making the decision incorrectly. So you can get that overturned. So again, that's what an unsecured credit card is. Um, An unsecured line of credit sometimes can come if you own a home and you get a HELOC, a home equity line of credit. Well, that could be predicated on the equity that you have in your home. Um, Of course, it's going to be coupled with your FICO score, but a lot of the times that's the security that they have in allowing you to have a large line of credit. So again, uh, you know, unsecured is the reason that you're allowed to have that is because you have proven some sort of event that allows them to weigh their risk and say, this person, this entity is is the right risk to take. Now, secured credit cards are a little bit different. Secured credit cards are secured by your money. And uh, Capital One was really one of the first to market with this. Um, And what happened was, is we had an underserved population of people that didn't have credit cards or have access to credit cards because traditionally they didn't understand how credit worked. Um, You had people that were coming from other countries that didn't understand our system and the way that that works. And so you have to have credit in order to get credit. And hence, you know, just rolling the tape back a little bit, why I said, you know, being an authorized user on someone's credit card can help give you that big jump or that big step so that you don't have to take the secured route. But in the event that you do, um, what these banks and these financial institutions will want you to do is, you know, uh, put up maybe 200 or or $1,000, depending on how much spending you want to have on that particular credit card. And now you have just secured your own spending habits. But the cool thing is, is that they are going to report that information to the credit history, uh, I'm sorry, to the credit agencies on a monthly basis in terms of how you're using that credit card, how much interest you're paying to the bank, um, your utilization factoring and patterns. Um, We talked about that in another show, but people ask me all the time, you know, Angela, is it okay if I max out my credit card? Well, I would say, no, that's not a good utilization of a credit card, because if you're always maxing out a credit card, you're kind of showing a higher risk pattern than someone, let's say, who only uses no more than 70 percent of what their utilization can be on their credit card. But, you know, go back and listen to our shows on utilization and become more familiar with how that utilization factor works with FICO. But the secured credit card, going back to that, is really essential when you you are trying to build credit so that you can eventually buy a house or, you know, you want to buy a car, you want to get a line of credit, you're trying to open a business and you've never had credit before. These are good facilities that are available out there to you. These credit facilities, um, these secured credit cards will help you build your credit in no time and get you to the point where once you've had them, let's say for six months, well, now you've created some history, you've created some utilization pattern, and you can go to these unsecured banks and now inquire about having an unsecured line of credit and wean yourself off of having the secured credit cards. Because again, you know, the secured credit cards are definitely going to have an inflated interest rate um, with respect to the difference of having an unsecured line of credit. You know, you get a benefit for having a good FICO score and being a good girl or boy. You know, they like to see people that follow the rules. So when you follow the rules and you have a good FICO score, then you get the benefits of having access to these 
these wonderful credit facilities that are out there. So um, the last thing that I'm going to mention with respect to credit cards is that it's really important as far as the FICO score and the way that things work that you have two credit cards. And the reason for that is, is because FICO is always looking for balance. And it's kind of like a seesaw, right? So did you ever go to the park and you sat on the seesaw and you went to the park with no one? And you're on the seesaw and no one's on the other side. And so there's never any balance. You know, you're jumping up in the air and then slam right back down. Well, that's what happens with a credit card when you only have one. You use it and then you pay it off. You use it and you pay it off. And there's nothing outweighing that. So what happens when you have two is they report at different times. So you have information being reported that you're using and information being reported that you're paying down and paying off. And that's what the FICO score mathematical algorithm is looking for is it's looking for that seesaw balance to happen all of the time. So my friends, I hope that you have learned a lot about uh, credit cards and uh, the the difference in uh, unsecured and secured credit cards and, you know, why we have these beautiful pieces of plastic right now that are going to turn into digital wallets. <laughs> I actually can't wait for that day, honestly, because I'm a super organized person. Hey, and my assistant out there, don't you say any otherwise because she'd be like, oh, no, I organize her life. Well, anyways, I love you. <laughs> but I, I super love being organized. So, you know, the, the digital world is going to be fantastic. So if you have any questions, please go online and visit us at conquercredit.com. My name is Angela Setters-Bassard, your host for today. And thank you for coming to the show.